Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of World Weekly from the Financial Times. I'm Gideon Rachman. Today, we're looking at the situation in Algeria, where mass demonstrations have broken out calling for the 82-year-old president, Abdelaziz Bouteflika, to leave office. It's all a bit reminiscent of the demonstrations that broke out almost a decade ago in neighbouring Tunisia and that sparked the so-called Arab Spring. So what's likely to happen now? Joining me in this studio is our Middle East editor, Andrew England, and on the lines our correspondent, Heba Salah, who's covering the protests. Andrew, first of all, as I mentioned, Algeria in a way has been an anomaly because it didn't get sucked into the last round of mass protests across the region. Why this peculiar history and why is it happening now, do you think? If we go back to 2011, there were protests in Algeria, but the government acted pretty proactively to put them down. They lifted the state of emergency in February 2011. They reduced cuts in subsidies and they worked quickly to appease the population. And so you never got the scale that you got in other countries, in Libya, in Egypt and in Tunisia, as you say. Now, protests have continued in Algeria, but they've been very localised and they've been very specific to sort of local problems, a water problem, electricity, jobs, that kind of thing. The difference with this is it's on a mass scale, it's nationwide. People are saying it's bigger than they've ever seen in Algeria, bigger than in 1988 when they had big protests. And it's all around one thing. And that one thing is that President Bouteflika is seeking a fifth term. And it's not necessarily about him personally. It's more the question the system is pushing him to stand for a fifth term when he's basically an ailing, wheelchair-bound president who's not even in the country at the moment. We believe he's in Geneva getting medical treatment. So it's the whole notion. It's, it's the sense that Algerians are being insulted by the ruling system saying, yes, we're going to push this 82-year-old onto you for a fifth term. And that just seems to have been a step too far for Algerians. So we're seeing... Algerians from all walks of life, as I said, take to the streets in towns, cities, across the country, and really mobilised sort of a national sentiment against this. And Bouteflika has handed in his nomination papers, or someone did it for him because he's not in the country, on Sunday, and the protests have continued. So it's essentially against the system and against the notion that somehow Algerians would accept having a president who's 82 years old, hasn't been seen in public for a long time, rarely speaks at all in public and is, you know, severely ill. Yeah, but one of the reasons or one of the theories, as I understand it, why Algeria was largely exempt last time from the mass turmoil was that they had their own tragic civil war beforehand. 200,000 people died, didn't they? And so was that also a reason why people are very wary of any outbreak of unrest because they've seen how tragically wrong it can go in the past. I think Algerian leaders have used that and they've used that past. And as you say, you know, what happened in the 1990s when they had an election in 1991, which was won by Islamists, which the military then counselled, which then you know, triggered basically a civil war. That is fresh in the older generation's minds. 
I think it's questionable how much of a role that played in 2011. I mean, people that I've been speaking to would tell me that in 2011, it was kind of the angry, poor working classes took to the streets and it didn't have that national scope, which we're seeing today. And of course, today, there's a whole new generation. Algeria is a very young country, like other Middle Eastern countries had a very young population. So there will be those who actually don't remember the 1990s. So I think it is slightly different. Okay, And Heba, I mean... Did anyone see this coming? I suppose it's in the nature of these protests, certainly last time around, that they do often just appear to emerge from nowhere. I think no one saw this coming, and I think indeed the regime has been stunned by the size of the protests and just the number of people on the streets and their persistence and the fact that it is all classes of society. There are men and women and children and people from the middle class, and they are determined, and the regime has not been prepared for that. Like Andrew said, people see it as an insult to have this elderly man who they have no idea what his state of health is. They have no idea if he is really the person making the decisions to have him foisted on them for a fifth term. They just see it as an insult. And as you say, he is gravely ill. He's probably not even in the country. So presumably he's not controlling events. Who do you think he is? He's not controlling events, but there are other powerful people in the country. There are, of course, people who are powerful because of their functions. There's a prime minister. But there is what is often described as a presidential clan, the people around the president, who are thought to be the people who want him to continue in order to preserve their own advantages. These include his brother, they include members of the business community, a private sector that has prospered under Bouteflika because he has poured billions of petrodollars into public works programs. So that has created a class of rich businessmen and there are people in the military. And there is also, I think, a sense that they don't know what to do next. They don't know how to arrange a succession because of their advantages and because, like in many other Arab countries, these are political systems that have been eviscerated. There are no functional parties. There are no politicians. In other places, when they have looked stuck for a successor, they've picked on the son of the president. In Algeria, it just feels like they've reached the end of the road and they don't know what to do. So that leaves open the question, what does happen next, Andrew? I mean, predicting the course of events, obviously, very difficult. But do you think that they'll have to come up with some kind of new dispensation and Bouteflika will have to step down? Yeah, I guess that is the multi-million dollar question. I mean, on Sunday, the president, in a letter which was read out on his behalf, he said that if he was re-elected on April the 18th, which is when the presidential election is held, he would then hold a national conference and then hold another election at which he wouldn't stand. That clearly didn't wash with the protesters. They've continued protesting. So I think people are scrambling around now. The system seems to be scrambling around to what alternatives there are. And I think the biggest problem is they don't have any clear alternatives. So in Algeria, the military has traditionally played a very important role behind the scenes in politics. And so a lot of people say what the military does next will be critical to what happens next in Algeria. I mean, I think it's very important to say that the protests have been peaceful. And both from the protesters' perspective 
And from the security forces perspective, nobody seems to want to see this turn into any sort of violent confrontation. I think that's very important. So if it can be maintained as a peaceful demonstration and there are concessions in some way that appease the people, then it might actually have a positive outcome. And you see some sort of transition in Algeria where you get a more open and a more genuine type of democratic environment. That would be the positive side. The negative side would be if it does turn violent and things spiral downhill, then we really are in uncharted territory. Yeah, and of course, Heber, the precedents are not encouraging. Tunisia, OK, next door, has been relatively peaceful, but other countries in the region, Egypt, Syria, Libya, it did get violent eventually, or even quite quickly, and you didn't end up with a more democratic system. Do you have a sense of how the opposition are handling that? Do they have a game plan? I don't believe the opposition have a game plan because the opposition are not really the people instigating these protests. They're just being carried along. So, no, the opposition is weak and fragmented and has been sort of weakened and marginalized for decades. So I doubt that they will be able to produce an alternative right now. Like Andrew said, Algeria is in uncharted territory. But what one can say is that for now, neither the military, the security forces, nor the protesters want it to become violent and everyone is being careful. The chief of staff just announced that the army is going to guarantee the peace and that there will be no going back to the era of bloodshed in Algeria. So this might be a sign of things to come. Well, that does sound relatively hopeful, doesn't it, Andrew? But thinking about the regional context, again, the parallel with the Arab Spring is things that start in one place often don't stay just in one place so that the rebellion that starts in Tunisia spreads to Egypt and elsewhere. Obviously, the regional context now is very different. But do you think what happens in Algeria is likely to be contained in Algeria? And I guess the other country that one has to think about is France, which has such a historically close relationship with Algeria. Yeah, well, I think one thing that this has shown is that the notion that the horrible violence in Syria, uh, which came after an uprising against Bashar al-Assad in that country, you know, would put people off protesting elsewhere, that's been totally undermined. You know, as we said, Algeria has its own history of violence in the 90s, but people still were willing to go out in the streets, albeit peacefully. Clearly, all the other governments in the region will be watching this. I mean, we saw in 2011, it started in Tunisia, it built up, built up. Ben Ali, the president there, was deposed, and then it spread Egypt, Libya, Syria, Yemen, etc. I think the region is very different now. I mean, if we look around at Algeria's neighbours, Libya is still in a chaotic state since its uprising against Gaddafi in 2011. Tunisia is relatively stable and has moved to a more democratic dispensation, although it has deep social and economic problems. And in Egypt, there's just a very autocratic system in place now where people are very fearful of putting their head above the parapet. But I think across the region, you know, we can talk about Morocco, we can talk about Jordan, there is this kind of simmering frustration among ordinary people. And again, these are very young populations about economic grievances and political grievances, and they might be all different in the respective countries. But clearly, there is a festering, simmering frustration that a lot of leaders in the region will be worried about. Yeah. And Heber, just to finish with you, I mean, you're in Cairo, the Algerians aren't letting foreign correspondents into Algeria at the moment. 
But Egypt obviously went through the whole cycle of the Arab Spring, uh, now has General al-Sisi in charge. How do you think the Egyptians will be viewing events in Algeria? I think the Egyptian population is thrilled by what's happening in Algeria and they are watching it carefully. But Egyptians are fatigued. They are still traumatized from their own revolution and the upheavals that followed that. And of course, as Andrew pointed out, it is a very autocratic system and dissent and protests and all this are not tolerated. I doubt very much that anything will happen in Egypt as a result of the events in Algeria. Andrew, just to finish? Yeah, I also think Europe will be watching this very closely. We shouldn't forget uh, Algeria is, you know, Africa's biggest country. It's a very important gas exporter to southern Europe. I think it's the biggest exporter of gas to Spain. It also exports gas to Italy, to Portugal. And as you mentioned, it has very historical links to France and a lot of French Algerians in France. So, you know, with its geographic position, its size, the coastline, etc., I think Europe will be watching this very closely as well. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for now, and we'll also be watching it closely in the weeks to come. But for now, thank you both very much. Thanks to Andrew England here in the studio, to Heba Salah on the line from Cairo. That's it for this week. Until next week, goodbye.